What's up, creepers? I wanted to share a preview of another Pushkin show I think you'll like, Lost Hills. It was the number one true crime show on Apple Podcast earlier this year. The show investigates the dark side of Malibu, California. Beneath a seductive facade, the city of billionaires, celebrities, and surf bums is hiding something menacing. Now, New Yorker writer and host Dana Goodyear is back with season two, Dead in the Water. The story takes place in the late 70s and early 80s as Malibu was changing from a low-profile beach town into a celebrity haven, full of new money and hard drugs. When a woman and her son mysteriously drowned, her husband was arrested for their murders and ultimately convicted. But to this day, many people, including the victim's family, claim he's innocent. It's a wild story, and I just had to share it with you. You can binge the entire season now by searching for Lost Hills wherever you get your podcast. And now, here's a preview. The Channel Islands have the kind of stark, pristine beauty that makes people fall in love with California. Santa Cruz Island is probably the most stunning in the archipelago. About 30 miles due west of Malibu, it's surrounded by glassy indigo water, giant kelp forests, and tide pools. But probably the island's most fascinating feature, the one that draws kayakers and scuba divers from all over, is its abundance of sea caves, with names like Shipwreck Cave and Limbo. On the north side of the island, a couple hundred feet into the ocean, there's a huge white spattered rock with a sheer cliff face. It's called Bird Rock, for obvious reasons. Bird Rock has its own sea cave, a tall chamber with walls that are covered in green algae. It's mysterious and cool, but once you know the story of Fred Rayler, it's impossible to look at the sea cave or any part of this beautiful island the same way again. On January 2nd, 1981, Rayler, a 38-year-old man from Malibu, was pulled out of the water on the open ocean side of Bird Rock, along with his wife, 36-year-old Verna Johnson Rayler, and her son, his stepson, 8-year-old Doug Johnson. Verna and Doug were soon declared dead. Fred was cold, but other than that, fine. His pulse was steady, his breathing was normal. He appeared to be unscathed. Fred said their rowboat, a 16-foot orange dory, had overturned, and he had done everything possible to save his wife and stepchild. He was the sole survivor and the only witness. For many, many months, we were just trying to figure out what happened and is there any truth to Rayler's story? That's a criminalist named Dr. Dwayne Mose. At the time of Verna and Doug's deaths, he worked for a California state crime lab. And eventually we decided there was no truth to it at all. We could not substantiate anything he said, but we could substantiate alternatives. And as I saw all this going on, it all came together in my head as a story. Dr. Mose is an expert in crime scene reconstruction. When he found out about the sea cave inside Bird Rock, he wanted to investigate. I said, I want to go inside. And I looked around at the rocks 
the height of the cave, and that's when another piece of the puzzle fell in place. That's when I turned to the people in the boat and I said, this is where it happened. It did not happen out there in the ocean. It happened in this cave. The cave, he said, was spacious and secluded. And it's tall and narrow. It's tall enough so that a man can take a oar to a rowboat, swing it high, and bring it down on an object with some force. My theory is that he rowed the boat into this cave with the intention of killing both of them. He would have started with Verna, catching her off guard. Verna was in the bow, and Douglas was in the stern, and uh, Rayler was sitting where a rower would normally sit, and he was in the middle. So while Verna would be looking forward to defend the bow of the boat against the rocks, Rayler could easily pick up an oar, swing it, hit her on the head. Then he would have turned to Doug. I believe that Douglas Johnson sprang from the stern of the dory onto Rayler in an attempt to protect his mother. And I believe that Rayler took Douglas by the head, slammed the back of his head twice into the edge of the seat, where the seat met the inside surface of the hull. Verna was petite, 115 pounds. Doug, only 50-something. Fred was six feet two, 195 first thing in the morning. He could have easily overpowered them, knocking them out, Mose says, so he could finish them off. He then threw, pushed, or carried both of them overboard and drowned them. He then exited the cave and it would have been difficult to get both bodies back in the boat, so I think he pushed the boat out of the cave and then took the two bodies and swam around to the other side of Bird Rock where he was found and taken out of the water by uh, the people on this boat that was passing by. That explained so much. Explained all the damage to the hull of the dory, explained why there was no witnesses to what went on, it just made it easier to do what he did. By the way, the oars for the dory were never recovered. They were lost somewhere, somehow, in the ocean. But this is just a story, albeit a powerful, persuasive one. It's a story that a lot of people have come to believe is true. It's a story that helped send Fred Rayler to prison. But Fred's story that he was trying as hard as he could to save his wife and stepson, that he was a rescuer, not a murderer. His story has a few supporters, too. To this day, I do not believe he did this. That's Verna's sister, Julianne. Verna's mother went to her grave convinced of Fred's innocence. And Verna's daughter, Kim, who lost not only her mother, but also her little brother, Doug, she believes Fred, too. So do his two daughters, Heidi and Kirsten. They all maintain that Verna and Doug died in a tragic accident. And it's not just the family. There are legal experts who believe Fred's case was a miscarriage of justice. This is Justin Brooks, director of the California Innocence Project. 
Well, it looked to me like the kind of case where a person was convicted based on bias. This summer, I got access to an archive of recorded interviews, investigation reports, and court filings. They led me into a forgotten world, Malibu, in the late 70s and early 80s, when the consummate family man was accused of horrible crimes. And Malibu itself was the motive. I'm Dana Goodyear, and this is Lost Hills. That was a preview of the new season of Lost Hills. You can listen to the entire season right now by searching for Lost Hills wherever you get your podcast.